Hey everyone, this is Justin with Whitetail Theories Podcast. On the mic today, we're going to be switching it up just a little bit. We're going to have John Terman on. Um, he is a Surfside Field Staff member out west. Um, we wanted to, me and John have been talking a little bit, and we wanted to do an episode um, a little bit more on being prepared. So this episode is going to be about emergency preparedness for hunters. Um, and I will let you, John, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself um, and how you got started out into hunting well i started out as a kid like most of us kind of did my dad hunted my grandfather hunted so i just grew up around hunting and i uh, did that pretty much all my life and uh got into law enforcement in high school and also firefighting so i did firefighting law enforcement went through got my emt did first responder stuff started doing contracting with the dod so i did armed security for a training facility that did a lot of training for special forces units so ended up doing medical stuff for them too, medical responder, and ended up doing executive protection. Went into a high-risk medic, doing things overseas, and uh, that kind of got me into the medical side of things. Awesome, man. And that's currently what you're doing right now? I'm taking a break from that right now since of COVID. So I'm staying home, and I'm going back to school. I'm working. I'm doing school through SDI for gunsmithing. So pretty cool so far. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Awesome. And I know you were telling me before we jumped on here, you are about to be hunting uh, Idaho public land yes. uh, soon. Yep. Exciting. Tomorrow. Yep. It'll be fun. Tomorrow's opening day for bow, so I'll be out there doing bow hunting. And also turkey. This turkey opens tomorrow, too. Oh, nice, man. Um, so let's jump into it john you are definitely always seem prepared uh we've talked multiple times you know since you've been a member uh and um it always seems to come down to things that that don't really get talked about a lot um so i'm going to kind of let you jump into it here um like i said this episode is going to be about emergency preparedness for hunters um so john i'll kind of let you just take it away and we'll segue right 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 into it all right sounds good yeah kind of the first steps I would say would be your communication, your planning. We all do our, you know, our scouting, our e-scouting, all that kind of thing. We should have a communications plan involved too. So we're going to let family member know or someone know where you're going to be, how long you're going to be there and how they can get a hold of you in an emergency. So those are good steps before you go out. Oh yeah. Also sure. things like the Garmin inReach, you know, those things are awesome. So you can reach out. I use those overseas. We use them to track, you know, units and people going all over the place. They're awesome. They work really well. I like the inReach better than the Spot. I've used both, and I actually like them better than sat phones. So, oh, a lot nice. of issues with some sat phones where you get coverage. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. So, and I'm also a ham radio guy. So, there's also things you can do with the ham radio area. So, but you have to have a license and training and stuff like that. So. Okay. I don't want to get too deep into the ham radio. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, my dad used to mess around with that, so I'd always heard, you know, things like that. We actually have an analog radio in our house. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this communication here. So I know we had talked about that post I'd made. I carry an inReach 2 on me. I am looking at that newer one, but, um, you know, once we had a kid and, you know, it wasn't really just me anymore, you know, I had a family. So, you know, I go out in the locations in the swamp that literally have zero service whatsoever for 20 plus miles. And, um, you know, that's something I had to get. It's, it's, I think it's pretty affordable, even if you don't 
uh, needed all the time. I use it all over the place. I use it year round. So I do pay um, the bill to have the unlimited year round. Um, but a lot of places I don't get service in. So it's really nice, especially since it hooks to your phone to be able to just send a text and say, Hey, all good. You know, that's literally my text or good. I'll, you know, hit you up later. Uh, I'll be back at dark, whatever. Um, but I'm able to just check in. Some of my texts even say check in. Um, but that's something I started recently getting into. I usually would just go, not tell anyone. Um, you know, if anything was ever happened to me, it would take a long time before someone would either find me or be able to get to me, um, especially in these areas with no service. So I definitely think communication is definitely top there, like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Avoiding the situation altogether is the best way to go. And I'm guilty of going out hunting a lot by myself, too. And especially as a kid, I go out a lot by myself and not tell anybody where I'm going. And I don't know how many times I've been stuck in the mud with the truck or, you know, something goes wrong and I always find a way to get out. But now that we have technology on our side, we should use it. So you do like the inReach better than a sat phone? I do. Yeah, it's more affordable and there's a lot better options on the inReach. You don't necessarily have to call everybody, but just having the ability to text somebody is, is really good. Yeah, you, you don't. And, you know, when I first started looking around, uh, you know, when I was starting to become, I guess, quote unquote, more safe going out on my adventures, um, that was one thing where I was like, I felt like I, always, I had to have a, a phone that would call. And then after I started digging more into it, and I started talking to other staffers and people that travel all across the country. Um, you know, I literally was like, I don't need it. All I need to be able to do is text. I don't need to call anyone. Um, so, I mean, I think the cheapest plan, and don't quote me on this, it's either 5 or 15 text. Um, I think it's 5, actually. It's like five ninety nine or something. Maybe either five ninety nine or nine ninety nine. It's It's one of the two, but a month, and then the unlimited is 50. Um, yeah, and I think you can get like three programmable text that is free unlimited. So you can like go in the computer, program, made it to camp, or checking in or on the way home oh nice you can use those i didn't know that and, uh, yeah you can go online pre-set up whatever message and you can do that before you go out hunting too set certain messages that you want to use and those are unlimited use as long as you use them through that nice well that definitely is is top of top right there and they you know they're they're a little bit I would say they're they're obviously not as cheap as what the spot is because what's the spot like a hundred or two hundred bucks um but yeah. You know, I think I got a really good deal because my buddy's girlfriend owned a gun shop. So I that's how I got a good deal. Uh, they've since not together, so I'm really glad I got the deal when I did. But um, I think I paid like, I want to say I paid like 250 or something for mine. I know they go upwards to over 300 bucks. So Yeah, they do sales all the time. You could also get them on the used market pretty cheap. That's where I got my spot was used, and it works great. It's just limited features, but then they also have the inReach mixed in with the GPS too. So if someone's looking for a high-end GPS, you might as well get them that has both mixed in and save a little bit of money that way. Yeah, for sure. I haven't messed around too much with that. I've only used the weather option and then the texting, but um, I have now that I have it on my phone and I'm able to kind of navigate through it because um, you don't necessarily need service on your phone to be able to use the inReach. You can just do it right from your phone by Bluetooth. Yeah, it, it's nice using it through the phone. Whenever we started working overseas, we were trying to text through the oh Garmin image itself. It was on the old ones, and it was it was just too much of a pain to do while driving. Oh, yeah. 
Dude, I did that with a member down here, and he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm texting my girl to let her know we're okay. He's like, well, for one, you've been texting for 30 minutes, and for two, he's like, you know you can do that from your phone? I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah, it's like texting in the 90s. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I I told someone it reminded, it'd be like texting on like a rotary dial phone or something. Yeah. (laughs) So what are we going into now? So we, we've covered communication. What would be another good topic here for emergency preparedness? Yeah, you get your, your planning, your communication, and then you can have your, like, your medical kit. So I know all of us say oh, it'll never happen to me, but we all know things happen. And usually we don't plan on it, and it just happens. Even to the best people that plan everything out, something could go wrong. So we need that backup of having medical kits and gear and a plan to use those. Oh, for sure. Now, what would you say is a good, uh, let's talk. So I would say we, we definitely have members in all 50 states. We, we have listeners in all 50 states for, you know, from Alaska, out West, the East Coast, South. Let's start with, um, what would you say is a good basic kit for just average whitetail hunting? So I, I kind of break up medical into two things and that's like trauma kits and then your basic boo-boo kits and band-aids and things for your feet, medication like Tylenol and dehydration, things like that in the basic. And then your trauma kit is like, you're going to die. You need to use this. Right. Tourniquets, things like that. Tourniquets, chest seals, quick clot, things to stop bleeding, that kind of thing. Overseas, we would all carry like four tourniquets, if not more. But hunting, one to two tourniquets is plenty. Because, you know, you you get hurt somehow, you're leaving you're finding help so right for sure and then proper usage of the tourniquet is important a lot of people don't use them correctly so it's, it's really important to understand how to use the tourniquet you have how to do it correctly these people can lose arms and limbs and uh, that's not fun so yeah no for sure well what would you say let's let's talk about this let's dive a little bit down this because obviously this is a topic i mean people go to school for for years to learn all this so obviously we're not going to put uh uh, all of hunting preparedness in you know bushcraft into a one hour podcast episode um but what would you say would be like one of the number one things people mess up on when they are doing a tourniquet if they do it wrong they don't put it up high enough. A lot of people put it like either just above the wound or below it. And they're not sure where to put it or they don't do it tight enough. You want to put the tourniquet as high as you possibly can, like the armpits, the groin, things like that. These are pressure points. The veins are closer to the bones and there's less muscle, fat, and tissue in between. So you can squeeze that vein, that artery up against the bone and completely stop the bleeding. So, um, and then obviously, so what else would you have, um, as far as let, let me just make sure I touch on everything with the, with the trauma kit. So we've got a tourniquet. Um, now do you recommend people always having a trauma kit and a, and a boo-boo kit or is it determined on being out West or, you know, are you just going down the road? I I keep mine kind of separate, like the boo-boo kit, the basic kit, I keep that in my back. So that's something that you may, you know, take a little bit of time to get to, you may not need it quickly. And then your trauma kit, at least the tourniquet, you want it to where you can get to it quickly with one hand if you need to. So if you have an injured arm, you need to get to that tourniquet. Gotcha. And you should be able to get it and put it on without having to dig through a bag, get to the bottom, find it, and then put it on. Now, what were the other items you mentioned that were in your trauma kit? 
quick clot. It's a gauze that has like a hemostatic agent in it that helps stop bleeding. That stuff is really important. It's really good. Not every wound you need to put a tourniquet on. That's where the quick clot comes in really handy. Also compression bandage, like an ace wrap. So you can put that quick clot on there, apply pressure with the ace wrap. Generally, if it's not a serious bleed, that'll, that'll get you at least out. Now let's talk the boo-boo kit. What do you have in your boo-boo kit? Everything from like band-aids, chapstick, like a foot care kit. That's super important. I know a lot of people kind of forget about your feet, but you're on them all the time. So you need stuff like moleskin, things oh, for yeah. blisters, also medication, stuff for diarrhea, because you don't want that to happen in the field. So okay. important things. Also Tylenol, stuff for dehydration, and uh, all that kind of basic general stuff. And if you take any personal meds, you want to have those with you too. I know my my little kit that I carry. I have a I have a tourniquet, um, which is at the like the very bottom of my bag, almost where like the boot. Uh, I'm I'm sure you're familiar with Badlands, almost like where they put their boot, um, yeah. you know, their little boot holder. Um, but I keep a tourniquet there, and then I also have uh, a snake uh, venom kit um, that I got from Sawyer, and. I have an insect, a poison insect kit. Uh, we have had, I've actually had members down here and they have been bitten by like, like one guy got bit by a caterpillar and he like swelled up. Um, so there are things down here in Florida. I always tell people when they come down, if it's pretty, it's probably poisonous. Nine times out of 10. Flowers, bugs, grass, pollen. It doesn't matter. If it's pretty and you're looking at it, it's more than likely it's poisonous. So I always tell people yeah. just to stay away from it. But I have those and then the boo-boo kit, I just have your, you know, I have aspirin because getting a headache in the field is the absolute worst. Uh, yeah. The hydration kits like you mentioned. So I have some mountain ops. I have one that's like hydration and one that's like hydration and energy. Um, obviously toilet paper um, and then, um, which I call that an emergency kit because, you know, that would be an emergency if you crapped all over yourself. And then, yeah. um, and then let's see, uh, ointment. Um, but just your basic A and D ointment, uh, and then what do I have? Oh, antiseptic. Uh, I'm yep. sorry, um, alcohol wipes. Um, yep. And then I believe That's like some great. galls and things like that. But my kit's very small. My kit's probably the size of oh, and it has matches, like a fishing hook. It's got like that crazy little army survivor kit, you know. Um, but mine's probably let me see. It's probably the size of. I would say it's the size of like a fly fishing case that you would have like your flies in. It's not very big. Everything's flattened. I've actually taken my, um, uh, an extra, not rope. It's, um, it's what you use when you fall out of a tree stand. You use them to put your foot in. It helps you. I've actually have a couple of those that are also in it. I have one that yeah, I have wrapped around important. it. Yeah. One of the main accidents that happen to hunters is falling out of a tree stand. So. That's, that's an important thing to know. And when you're in a tree stand, then you can be extra careful, careful knowing that. Make sure you're tied in. Make sure you don't fall asleep and fall out of it. Oh, so yeah. You should always wear a harness, 100%. Talking about yeah. hunter preparedness. And get just get you one that fits because I, I'll tell you firsthand, and, and, and everyone's heard this story at least once. I'm not sure if I've told you, but, you know, when I was younger, I was like 16 or 17, I believe. Maybe it was 17. And I fell out of a tree literally was getting out of it was done um had lowered my my bow to the ground um had lowered my bag to the ground and i believe what i did was i had my safety line 
and um, I would always take a safety line up because I would sometimes I'd clip my belt. It, it really all depends, but even so, a belt loop will break. You know, I was young, so yeah. I didn't think you know that far ahead at the time. Um, but I would have a safety line, and normally it was for my bow and my in my bag and, and one time I lowered everything down I dropped the safety line down I was getting I was getting on my on the steps there I was getting ready to hug the tree so I could unbuckle um, the stand uh, I would always take my stands down um, I was actually on public land I was pretty far out there no one knew where I was at um, and I fell and it was awful I I mean I was crying it you know it, it hurt so bad I tried to get up and walk I didn't feel like I could walk um, it ended up, I landed right on my butt, and I don't know how I didn't, I really don't know how I didn't hurt myself. I got some scrapes and bruises and stuff from the tree, um, and then my butt was obviously bruised, but I don't know how I landed the way I did and was just landed just so that it hurt, but nothing was broken. You know, I didn't have internal damage or anything like that, um, but I couldn't breathe. You know, I knocked the wind out of me. Um, it's getting dark, so I'm worried about that, and I'm like, well, what if I can't walk, and it was definitely a scary experience that all could have been avoided if I would have just had a harness that weighs you know, a couple ounces on, you know? Yeah, exactly. And also the, the harnesses, we should inspect them every year too before using them. Make sure nothing's ripped, frayed, or there's no cuts on them. Because those can wear out too. And then you may think you're safe and you go to lean out or something and have, have the stitching rip on you. And, you know, oh, so yeah. Those are important things to inspect. For sure. And you can always throw into the... Um, uh, you know, checking your straps, you know, you know, I always yes. tell people if you're going to check your, if you're going to get up and check your uh, harness, you might as well just hurry up and check your stand straps. Um, you know, whether you're using a ratchet strap or not, I know a lot of people there are like, well, I got ratchet strap on it. Well, uh, a, a squirrel will still eat through a ratchet strap just as quick as he will. Uh, honestly, I think they're the same materials. <laughs> they're yeah. usually just a different color. Um, yeah. And that's a, that's a good habit to get into just checking them because then you'll do it out of habit every time and, and you'll build that habit over time and hopefully lessen that chance of something happening going wrong i'll tell you what man that little bit of extra work it, it definitely makes a difference because you know there's there's a lot of people that aren't so lucky i've talked to many of people that you know it you know they've broken legs and you know i've never known someone personally that has passed from it but i have heard stories and things like that so it's definitely something as as simple as wearing uh, a harness um you know could definitely save your life or keep you from being paralyzed for the rest of your life yeah and it's usually the little simple things that we overlook that end up turning into something big oh yeah when i fell all i did was was got confused on which step was which that's that's literally all that happened is is i thought the step was what it was and it wasn't and yeah 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 anti-itch cream too that's another really good item to have in there is bugs especially in florida because i was on a deployment in puerto rico whenever the hurricane came through and just destroyed everything and those little tiny i think they're like gnats or something they get in there and they bite you man my legs were like covered with bites from those things and i could almost not operate because of it and uh, all the medical shops were hard to get get to stuff and finally i found some anti-itch cream and was able to take care of it but just something as small as those little tiny bugs can get you Oh, for sure. You know, they actually, um, I've been bitten by, we got yellow flies here, those bugs. I mean, anytime you get bit by one of those yellow flies, you instantly swell up. Um, happens all the time, and, and I pour hot water on mine, and, um, you know, the swelling will go down after a few days. But I keep one of those kits in there. I got mine from Sawyer. Uh, we get a pretty good discount with them because we're partnered, and um, 
that's what I got. At first, I wasn't going to use it, but there's so many people that come down for hunt swaps. I'm like, you know what? Everyone's always getting bit, including myself. It's best just to have it. If something happens, I'd rather have it than not. So, Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good thing there, too. If you're hunting with other people and you know that that person doesn't carry a first aid kit or something, having that extra items to cover them just in case is a good idea, too. Or if you're with children or kids or anybody wanting to have something tailored for them, too, that's more appropriate. For sure. Now, um, obviously, this is a, a pretty wide-range topic here, but what else do you feel like we need to touch on here for emergency preparedness? Well, with the with, let's say the tourniquets, there's a bunch of different tourniquets on the market, and if you look online, everyone has something controversial to say about all the tourniquets. And uh, like the CATS and the soft tees, those are military-proven tourniquets that work really well, and they're great. Some of the downfalls to them is small people like children and ladies. Some ladies are too small and they won't stop bleeding. Also dogs. So there's a rat's tourniquet, which is made by one of the military guys. Those work really good for smaller bones, smaller structure. You can put them on dogs. So anybody that's hunting with dogs, it's a good item to have for them too. So making sure you, you don't get like a fake knockoff of the tourniquet. There's a lot of those out there. So a lot of my supplies i get from north american rescue products okay now let's talk let's let's do this summarized list here because being a podcast i want to make sure that that i cover the summarized list here so emergency kit it's good to have a trauma kit and i would honestly say and you can correct me if i'm wrong on this um you know make sure it's tailored to your area because obviously if you're in idaho having a poisonous snake kit in your pack probably isn't as beneficial as having one in mine um, yeah, exactly. You got to know know what kind of things you're up against in whatever area you're hunting, and also everyone's personal too. Everyone's individual. Maybe someone needs to drink more water than other people, so you kind of got to tailor your needs for you. For sure. So I um I get dehydrated very quick, and I get headaches very quick. So that's where I tend to um that's where I tend to keep high, different hydration packets in like little mountain ops you know those little single packets um aspirin um and i actually keep a uh pair of contacts in my like i said it's a little case i actually keep an extra pair of contacts in there because that's normally what i wear um and there'd be nothing worse than being out in the field and a contact i mean i'm pretty much blind i mean i guess you could bring your glasses to either or but i just bring a set of contacts with mine um, yeah, that's that's a good point too. I don't wear glasses, but for people to do, you should have a backup for sure, because if something happens to it, you need to be able to see. It's pretty important. For sure. So okay, so let's talk this kit here. So um, going out in the field, making sure you have the trauma kit that's gonna to cater to you. But obviously, a tourniquet something that that everyone's gonna need because I mean, it can be something as small as bow hunting. And I seen a you might have sent it to me where the guy fell and his broadhead ended up slicing an artery. Um, yeah, yeah, I sent that to you. That's that's a good video. And if you notice, they didn't have any proper medical gear with them. They just had whatever they had with them, but they made it work. They did a great job of improvising and you know adapting to the situation and making it making it work and keeping them safe but having a good tourniquet having a good medical kit would have been you know a huge difference for sure and they don't take up a lot of room i mean my kit it fits in that bottom little boot holder uh 
you know, they, they have them smaller than that. They literally have ones that fit in your pocket. I mean, you can go as big or bad as you want. I know Chris has got one that uh, I think it straps onto his leg, I believe it is. Yeah, yeah that's um, what I run as an ankle kit that straps on your ankle. We ran those a lot doing executive protection because we can't carry anything and we're low profile. So we always have something on our ankle where we can take care of what we need to take care of. So, okay, so we've got we've got a trauma kit and we've got the boo-boo kit with, you know, whatever you need, aspirin, contacts, ointment, diarrhea stuff, all that. Yeah, personal um, medications if you take personal medications. Now, hydration, as far as hydration goes, what are you usually rocking? Let's say for this trip, are you, uh, you know, are you using tablets? Are you uh, camel backing it? How, how much water are you usually bringing in on a trip like what you're going on? different environments are different like when i was out in arizona i would go through so much water it's ridiculous like one mile and i'm already out of water these are the heats up there in the hundreds and it's so hot up here it's a little bit less that i'll carry with me because there's a lot of streams and rivers and creeks so i carry you know a water filter kit and a stainless steel water bottle so i can boil water so that's the good items for up here and these waters heavy also oral iv I carry a ton of those packs in my bag. Those things are awesome. They work. They've saved my butt a few times. I've been pretty dehydrated down to where even just drinking water doesn't help you. And those really get the electrolytes back in. And what were those called? Kind of breaking up there. Oh, what were those called? Oh, there you go. Good. Oral IV. Oh, oral IV. Um, yeah, they're awesome. They sell, sell them like a drink pack, too. And you can just rip it and pour it into a water bottle, shake it up, and drink it. Oh, nice. And uh, they're awesome. They work really good. So Sometimes so, if you drink a ton of water, you'll actually flush everything out of your system and dehydrate yourself. And I ended up doing that to myself a while back. Yeah, a little too much yeah. water and not enough other, yeah. other things. Yeah, I was doing that 75 hard challenge. I don't know if everybody's familiar with that. And uh, one of the things you do is you cut out everything and you drink like a gallon of water every single day with nothing added to it. And by doing that, I flushed everything out of my system and I almost ended up in the hospital because I had nothing in there. So luckily my wife's a nurse and I have medical training. So we recognized it and then addressed it. Nice. So as far as emergency preparedness goes, um, you know, it, there's definitely a lot of options out there for people um, to, to get different kits and, and things they need. But at the end of the day, you know, that's why we wanted to have this podcast because, you know, obviously we can always do more on more specific topics, you know, applying a tourniquet. We can get on live webinars. We can do things like that. Um, but having this episode out there more so for awareness of, um, you know, that video we watched, I mean, you got three or four guys that were heading out West on an elk trip, bow hunting, and none of them had a medical kit. I mean, it's just, yep. And they don't Especially cost a lot. Like, what, four guys? Yeah, yeah I mean, four guys. Like four and they all seemed Nobody like seasoned hunters to me. I mean, yes. yeah. from the experience. eye, they looked like seasoned hunters. So it's one of those things where you don't you don't really think about it um, until you're in that situation. And, I mean, you know, that's why they call it an accident. There's been plenty of times I've been hunting and nothing's ever happened. Um, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's okay if I leave my bag in the truck this time or it's okay if I – uh, you know, do this or do that. And then that could be the time you need it. And, you know, it's, it's yeah, not like exactly. it's extra weight or anything like that. Yeah. They don't and take it, a lot. It may not even be you. You may come upon another hunter in the field that's hurt. Yeah, true. And you might be the one that can jump in there and help them. 
Yeah, true, for sure. Um, so what else do you think we should touch on here for Merger Apprentice? We've got medical kits, we've got being hydrated uh, the proper way. Um, we've got, uh, let's see here. What, let's talk about your trip here. Let's let's dive a little bit into that because we're about halfway through this podcast. How did you prepare for this Idaho trip? This is your first time hunting public land in Idaho, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, it's my first my first time doing that, which is exciting. So, but as soon as I got to Idaho, which was almost a year ago, I've already started looking at places where I want to go hunt. Started e scouting, looking at those areas going to those areas and I also did fishing in those areas. So I also take a mental note whenever I'm driving into those places um, of where my cell phone works, you know, what areas I can get good coverage. All those little things are very important. For sure. I, I do the same thing down here. I go into an area, even if it's an area I don't get out of the truck and walk around in and I'm just e-scouting it or scouting it from the road. I always make yeah. sure I, I save those spots in yeah, my phone. Those are important. Knowing, knowing like where ranger stations are. Right. The area is regularly patrolled by you know the rangers or people or whatever. So those are important things to know too. Yeah, you definitely want to know who's in that area for help. Um, yes. Now, what else did you do to prepare? Do you have any? You know, what kind of mapping system do you use? I use Onyx. I think most of us do. It's a really good platform. Really good app for the phone that you can use on the computer and you can transfer things over to the phone which is pretty awesome so and that helps break down the the private land and then the public land so you don't make a mistake there which is important it's also good to know where private houses are and stuff out there ranches or whatever in case you do get hurt you can maybe go to one of those houses and find help for sure um let's see here john so I'm trying to think if there's anything that we're missing as far as preparedness. There's a ton of stuff though that we, we can spend all day on, you know, going from like the planning, the communications, the medical kits, and then you can go into like self-defense stuff. Use that is actually one of the things that happens to hunters having a dispute with a landowner or something like that. And that ends up being escalated and ends up ending badly. It's better to avoid and just leave and call someone else as official to come in and help. But, you know, there's a ton of things you can do. Self-defense against bears. There's there's a whole lot of things that we can add into this series. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, this one was really just an introduction more so or less and, um, you know, kind of getting our, our feet wet here with future episodes we want to potentially do. Um, but that's pretty much all that I can think of from that standpoint. Let, I'm just curious as far as like the terrain in Idaho right now, did you have to like do any, anything physical to get ready for that or? Yeah, it's the area I'm going to be hunting in is pretty steep. It's got some pretty, pretty good mountains. There's a lot of rocks too. So, I mean, I've already been out there fishing and scouting and hiking in it. I did shed hunting out there. So I am kind of getting used to the environment. Also, I usually go out walking to my house every day and do a couple miles. So that's a really good thing to get used to. And also elevation is a big difference too. So if you if you live where it's sea level and you're going on a hunt that's up at like 10,000 feet, that's gonna be a big adjustment. So that's something to consider. And where did you move from when you moved to Idaho? I moved from Yuma, Arizona, which is about sea level. So. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty big difference there. Yeah. 
it is. But in Yuma, I'd go out running. I'd go do 10 mile runs. Sometimes I'd use elevation masks, which really help. So that's something you can do before a hunt too. If you know you're going to go to high altitude, you can do some some training that'll mock that environment or that elevation. So now, do you do anything diet specific when you go on these trips? Not really. I mean, I don't eat a lot of junk food as it is, so. I don't really change my diet a whole, whole lot, but some people you may want to. So you might want to cut out a lot of the sugars and eat more proteins, things like that. So what about out in the field? What are you, what are you, how long are you going to be out there on this Idaho trip? I'll be out about three days, so it's not too terrible. Oh, okay. You're just taking like MREs or something? Yeah, well, the Mountain House Mills, I have three of those. And then I'll have some breakfast meals and then some power bars, some protein powder that can go along with it. So, Gotcha. Solid. Awesome, man. Well, hopefully that's a good little introduction for everyone on just the importance of having a safety kit. You never know when there's going to be something that happens. And obviously we can always jump down tons of rabbit holes with this. Um, but I wanted to give everyone just a quick little overview on, on the importance of it. Um, uh, but do you want to mention anything else as far as uh, emergency preparedness goes, John, for this intro? Yeah, well, when it comes to everybody, what would be good is to get some feedback. And that way people can say, hey, I want to learn more about the planning side of it or more in-depth on how to use the tourniquet and things like that. There's yeah, a lot of sure. other things you can put into the planning, too. You can figure out where hospitals are, what's the nearest you know, medical center, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's definitely what we'll do. So this episode's just an intro, like we said, um, but definitely drop in the comments, um, drop what you'd like to hear more of when it comes to being prepared uh, for emergencies, um, planning, you know, communication, things like that. And we can definitely get John back on and uh, we can go into some more depth um, with these things. We're also going to try to plan some future webinars or at least pre-recorded webinars where we can get on there, you know, do layouts of kits um, and things like that. Um, so that's definitely some things we have prepared. Uh, we will be preparing for the future. Now, John, where can everyone reach you at, uh, you know, as far as your socials go or if they want to follow your adventures? Yeah, it's pretty easy. It's, everything's pretty much under my name. So Facebook is John Sherman. I think there's a few people on there that have the same name. So you'll have to look toward for my profile picture with it, which I think is me on a rock in Idaho with snow-covered mountains in the back. I think I'm the only one with that. Also, YouTube is my name, John Sherman. So I'm slowly building that. And then uh, Instagram, too, is Lost Cowboy Photo or John Terman. They both are in there, so it's pretty easy to find me. Solid, man. Well, hopefully you enjoy your trip, man. We'll let you go. I know you got to get the kids, and um, you got to get ready for this trip. Um, so I appreciate you jumping on, and when you get back, hit me up, um, because we'll definitely have to do a after episode. I'll be recording during this trip, too, so hopefully that all goes goes well. So solid all right well you guys be sure to drop your comments for this intro episode on what you'd like us to deep dive more into and you are listening to white tail theories podcast